Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Well, good morning, Movement Church. Listen, I'm so excited to be with you this morning. We are in week two of our series seven, and we're leading up to our seven-year anniversary as a church. I'm so excited. And hey, I'm just asking you to do us a favor. When you leave today, there's a giant board outside, and it has the number seven on it. And I'm just asking you, whether you've been with us for seven years or seven minutes, just to take a moment and write down what the Movement Church has meant to you. That would mean so much to us. So make sure you do that today. And, and we always use our anniversary as an opportunity, a, a strategic time for us to reach out and to invite people to church. And so I just want to remind you to be inviting people to church, okay? So we've been giving you some invitations to hand out. And what we're asking you to do is to invite seven people to come to church with you next Sunday to celebrate our seven-year anniversary because we are expectant for what God wants to do. And the really cool thing is they're going to have three options to come because next week we are going to three services. (laughs) So 8.30, 10 o'clock, and 11.30 are the options, and we're so excited. But to get ready for that, We're gearing up with some strategic prayer. So we're going to be doing, as a church, seven days of prayer leading up to our seven-year anniversary, and I'm inviting you to be a part of it. We're kicking it off tonight with our Movement Night. It is a special edition of Movement Nights, an acoustic worship set. You're going to want to be in the room. It's at 5 p.m. tonight. And then Monday through Friday, we are meeting at 6 a.m. at the Union Market at the Kaleidoscope to pray and be expected for what God's going to do next week. And then Saturday at 8 a.m. at the Union Market in the Kaleidoscope. And listen, I know you're going, that's early. I know. But we are determined that we're going to get prepared and ready for what God wants to do in our midst. And so I'm just inviting you to come and to be a part of it. If you don't like to pray out loud, Don't worry, we will not ask you to pray out loud. But come and pray with us, and let's get expectant for what God wants to do on our seven-year anniversary for every single person who's walking through the doors. Amen? All right, amen. Hey, today, the message that I'm going to preach today, I feel like God dropped in my heart back in January. It's a long time ago. And I really believe that today has a, a personal promise for you and a collective call. A personal promise and a collective call. And what you need to know is that God knew who would be in this room months ago. And I believe that God has some promises for your life that he wants to remind you of today. And maybe you're not familiar with what those are. They're found in his word. And you can dig in and and find out a little bit more by reading the word. But I believe God wants to awaken some promises in your life. And I also believe it's a collective call because we as a church are a movement of people committed to a mission to inspire the one who is far from God to find life in Christ and life in the church. And so today, the word of God for us as a church is a collective call. And the title of my message is this, 
the walls must come down. Turn to somebody around you and say, the walls must come down. Oh, that was weak movement, church. Let's try that again. The walls must come down. Thank you. All right, let me pray for us this morning. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord Jesus, I just thank you so much for every person in the room today. God, I thank you that months ago that you knew exactly who would be here. God, I thank you that you were preparing a message for each and every individual in the room. So God, I pray that today you would remind us of your promise. And God, as a church, I pray you'd stir up our faith with an expectation for what you want to do. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. I'm going to dive straight in today to the book of Joshua in the Bible, chapter 6. But before we start, I just want to give you a little bit of the backstory of what is happening here. You see, in the book of Joshua, we find the Israelite nation, and they have been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years. And the wilderness has been frustrating. The wilderness has been this, this waiting season. The wilderness has been refining. And over and over again, the people of God have been questioning God and questioning his plan. But just like that song we sang today in worship, Waymaker, right? That part where it goes, even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. I can't sing like they can sing, but I want to in my heart and in my dreams. Because I love that part of the song. Even when I can't see it, he's working. And that's exactly what was happening for the Israelite people. God taught the Israelites in this season everything that they would need to know about his provision and about following him in full obedience. You see, 40 years in the barren wilderness produced in the Israelites the fruit that was necessary for the promise. So I want to tell somebody today, don't despise the wilderness seasons of your life. Don't despise the wilderness seasons because when God seems distant, he's actually very, very close. The Bible tells us that he will not leave us or forsake us. So in those seasons, he is preparing us for the promise. So here the Israelite people are. And the time has finally come for them to go in and inherit the promised land. You know, the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes that there is a season for everything and a time for every activity under heaven. And it is finally time for the Israelite nation to step into the promised land. God has finally commissioned Joshua to take them in to inherit the land. He's parted the rivers of the Jordan and an entire nation has crossed across on dry ground and they are no longer looking behind them. They're no longer looking behind them at Egypt, at the place where they once were, at the problems that they once knew, at the shame that once covered them. They are now looking forward to the promise that's ahead of them. And some of you need to be reminded this morning that it is time to stop looking behind you at the shame of your past, to stop looking behind you at the way things used to be, to stop reminiscing about the good old days, and to get your eyes on the promise that God has before you because he has some good things in store for you today. 
You see, in Joshua chapter 5, God sends an angel of the Lord as a messenger to Joshua to confirm the promise. And I've been praying for this message today, and I've just been asking God, God, would you use me as a messenger to remind the movement church of the promises of God for your life? And that's my prayer for the message today. We're going to pick up in Joshua 6, verse 1, and it says this, now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. Now I want to pause there for a moment and help you realize the gates of Jericho were tightly shut. And I believe there are some doors that have been closed to you that are about to be opened. I believe there are some walls that have been standing in between you and the promise of God for your life that are about to come down. And that's what this message is about today. We pick up in verse two, and it says, the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king and all its strong warriors. This is God's promise. God's promise to the people of Israel, I have given you Jericho. And listen, Jericho would just be the first conquest of many in the Israelites' taking of the promised land. As I was reading about this, commentaries describe the act of Jericho being shut up as a physical barrier to a divinely ordained movement to take possession of the land. That means that when we're reading about this and we see that Jericho is shut up it is saying this was a physical barrier to a promise that God had given the Israelite people and they're about to go in and take this promise. So I've got a question for you today. What are some physical barriers in front of you to the promise of God for your life? What are some physical barriers in front of you to the promises of God for your life? And if you're sitting here and you're like, oh, Megan, I have no idea what the promises of God for my life are. It's okay. God's got hundreds of them for you. They're written in his word. We'll talk about it. But what are the physical barriers in front of you? Is it a barrier of health? A diagnosis from a doctor that's been written on a piece of paper, whether it be physical or mental, is that the barrier you're facing today to the promise of God? Because the promise of God says this in Psalm 41.3, I will sustain him on his sickbed. In his illness, I will restore him to full health the promise of God? Is it a barrier of need or a barrier of lack? Maybe you find yourself in a position where you cannot get out of debt, where you continue to face financial crisis after financial crisis, where it seems like there's one thing after another. Well, the book of Malachi chapter three tells us that God will rebuke the devourer for my sake. It's this promise of protection and provision is the barrier that you're facing today, the barrier of a prodigal son or daughter? Is it the broken heart that you're dealing with because that son or that daughter is just not walking with God and they're not interested in anything that you have to say? But yet the promise of God in Proverbs 22 says, raise up a child in the way they should go and when they're old, they will not depart from it. Is the barrier you're facing a messy marriage? Hardened hearts, betrayal, but the promise of God says in Matthew 19, what God has brought together, let no man separate. Maybe the barrier is fragmented friendships. It's friendship drama that you just can't control or a lack of vulnerability from past wounds and hurts. So you've just put up walls to the people around you. 
But the promise of God for your life says that sweet friendships refresh the soul. Maybe it's a barrier of disappointment. Maybe it's hope deferred. Maybe you've been waiting and praying for a spouse, a boo thing. (laughs) They just don't seem to be showing up yet. Maybe it's a dream in your heart. Maybe it's something that you're supposed to start, a business or a book you're supposed to write. And the promise of God says in Proverbs 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. What's the barrier? You know, years ago, Pastor Carrie and I lived in Arizona and we were in a really big fight. I don't know if you know us or not, but we are extremely passionate individuals and very strong individuals as well. And Pastor Carrie is incredibly stubborn. I'm a delight to live with. And it was late at night and we were in this argument and all I wanted to do was to go to bed. I just wanted to go to sleep. But he kept insisting that we were not going to bed until we had talked out and resolved this issue. How many of you are married to that person? Okay. (laughs) And all I wanted to do was escape. I just wanted to get out of the conflict. And Pastor Kerry, he placed himself in the door frame between me and the stairs that led to the bedroom. And he widened his stance and he threw his shoulders back and he bowed up his chest at me. And I took that as a personal challenge. And I lowered my shoulder. And like a linebacker, I charged that wall. And that wall did not come down. Because I was fighting the wrong battle with the wrong plan. How many of you are glad that we are your pastors? You see, Jericho was shut off to the Israel people, but it was also shut off to the message of Israel. You see, Jericho had heard the stories of God parting the Red Sea for the Israelites to escape the Egyptians on dry land. They'd heard of God's miraculous provision in the wilderness. In fact, they had heard how God had just parted the Jordan River and this entire nation had crossed on dry land, yet they were still shut off to the message of Israel. Now remember, this message today is a personal promise. It's also a collective call. And as a church, God has placed us in a region where less than 10% of the population attend church. And there are 2.7 million people in Orange County who may not know the hope that is found in Jesus. They've been shut off to the message. And it's our mission as a church to reach this region in Orange County with the message of Jesus. And we will not stop until all have heard. Listen to me, church. The walls must come down. So back to Joshua 6. The messenger of God has made it abundantly clear that God has already given them this land. They just need to claim the victory. And the walls are the only obstacle. So the walls must come down. Now, there are some speculations in history about the walls of Jericho. Historians say that there was actually two walls, and they were over 30 feet tall, built on a hill, so the second one was actually larger than the first one. And the outer wall was six feet wide. The inner wall was 12 feet wide so that horses in small chariots could run across the top of it. Now, that is 18 feet thick of rock wall. So, here's God's promise, and now God gives a plan. 
Listen, God has not brought them to the brink of promise for them to figure this out on their own. He always has a plan. And verse three says this, you and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. And on the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. And when you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can, and the walls of the town will collapse, and the people can charge straight into the town. Now these instructions that God gave to Joshua, they must have felt just a little bit ridiculous to Joshua and to the people. There is no comparison to this kind of ceremony or ritual in any other pre-battle rituals of the ancient East. So can you imagine Joshua to his generals? They're like, Joshua, what did God say? Well, we're going to march. Awesome. What else? We're just going to march in silence once around. And we're going to do it six days and on the seventh day, we're going to do it seven times. What? And then we're going to shout, and the walls are going to fall down. What? Can you imagine? But this was obviously a spiritual exercise, an act of obedience to God, not a military strategy. And you need to know that if God has given you a promise, he will give you the steps to take. It will align with his word, and he will give leaders in your life insight for you. Listen to me, the plan might seem foolish to you. Six days, march around, and on the seventh march and shout, an 18 feet thick of rock wall is just going to fall down? What? Listen, the plan for you might not be what you want. It might not make sense to you. And sometimes the plan might feel incomplete. And if that's the case in that moment, your job is to wait. Listen, God's promise... God's plan. He always gives a plan. In Malachi chapter 3, like we talked about earlier, God gives us a strategic plan for managing our finances, taking the wisdom of budgeting and the faith of tithing. And God says, trust me in this. Return the tithe to the storehouse, the church, so there'll be food in my house, and I will open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing until there is no more need, protection and provision, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Listen, we listen to that and we go, that doesn't make sense. We live in Orange County, God. Do you know how expensive it is here? You want me to take the first 10% and give it to you? What? And God just says, could you trust me? In our marriage, God's given us a promise. What God has brought together, let no man separate. Well, he's also given us a plan. Ephesians 5.33 says this, however, each man among you, without exception, is to love his wife as his very own self, with behavior worthy of respect and esteem, always seeking the best for her with an attitude of loving kindness. And the wife must see to it that she respects and delights in her husband, that she notices him and prefers him and treats him with loving concern, treasuring him, honoring him, and holding him dear. And some of you got in a fight with your spouse this morning and you're like, I don't wanna do that. Like, you don't know what kind of a jerk he's been. You don't know how cold and distant she's been to me. But yet God's promise, God's plan, and he says, could you just trust me? Maybe anxiety has been debilitating you. 
keeping you from real relationships, stealing your joy, and the promise of God for your life is peace. Philippians 4, 4 through 8 breaks it down for you. It says this, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And then it tells us how. Fix your thoughts on things that are pure, that are excellent, that are praiseworthy. And we go, that's so hard. But God says, trust me. Maybe it's a dream in your heart, a promise that God has for you. Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires and petitions of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him also, and he will do it. His promise and now his plan. Verse 7, be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for him and entrust yourself to him. Do not fret, whine, or agonize because of him who prospers in his way. If the plan is incomplete, my job is to trust the promise maker, to wait, to get my eyes off of everybody else's promise and to wait for mine. God's promise, God's plan. In Joshua chapter 6, verse 8 through 14, I'm going to paraphrase it for you. Joshua explains to the people what they're going to do. He gives the directions. He says, seven priests are to lead the Ark of the Covenant, blowing the ram's horns. The military are to follow. Joshua says, now listen, don't speak, just march. Follow the Ark of the Covenant and circle the city. You know what the people do? It says in verse 14, they followed this pattern for six days. You see, we see here that the promise of God required obedience, God's promise, God's plan, plus my obedience. God's promise, God's plan, plus my obedience. He called his people to work in an act of obedience. And there was a place for everyone, the priests and the military. And you need to know the personal promises of God for your life are going to require your obedience to his will. There's a part that you are supposed to play. Listen, my obedience makes way for the miracle. My obedience makes way for God's miracle. The commentator I read said this, even though the people participate, it is God's divine work that will bring down the defenses of the enemy and allow no obstacle to withstand the onward movement of God's people into their divine inheritance. Listen, my obedience is dependent on me, but the outcome is dependent on God. Proverbs 21, 30 through 31, it says this, no wisdom, no counsel, no understanding can avail against the Lord. The horse is made ready for the day of battle. That's my job. But the victory belongs to the Lord. You need to know if God has said it, he will be faithful to complete it. If it is written in his word, he will be faithful to bring it to pass. All he wants from us is our obedience. So are there some things that God's been asking of you that don't make sense? Maybe they just feel too big, too hard, too painful, too costly. As a collective church, God has challenged us to grow to three services, to make room for the people who are coming. And that may seem crazy. 
It may seem hard. In fact, if you're on the dream team, we're asking you to serve more, to sit one and serve one. If you haven't been on the dream team and you've been sitting in a seat, we're saying, could you jump on a team? Link arms with us so that we can create room for people in Orange County to find Jesus. Listen, there are some walls in Orange County that must come down. A great theologian, Charles Spurgeon, said this, and I hope you catch this. It is an ill day for God's church when we conceive that some few are to fight the battles and the rest look on to criticize or applaud. We will never see the church become strong and mighty until every member recognizes his responsibility. Listen, Movement Church, the Movement Church is called to make an impact in Orange County. In our tenure as senior pastors, we believe God has commissioned us to see 27,000 people say yes to Jesus. We've got a huge mission in front of us, and the walls must come down. So if you're sitting in this room today, you have a part to play. God has a personal promise for you, but it's so much bigger than just you. We have a collective calling as a church, and you have a part to play. So here's my question. Will you be obedient? See, the people, they circled the walls daily. And I'm sure that they began looking at those walls and watching the bricks and, gosh, nothing has even started to move yet. Joshua, are you sure this is what God said to do? But see, the people of Israel had learned in the wilderness not to question God. They had learned the value of obedience, so they just kept going. Six days in a row, exercising simple faith. Simple faith that if God said it, he will do it. If the promise is in his word, he will complete it. So they decided, I'll just keep marching. I'll keep circling that problem, trusting his promise, walking in obedience to his plan. Listen, God's promise, God's plan, plus my obedience and my faith. God's promise, God's plan, plus my obedience and my faith. And then day seven. Can you imagine the anticipation in this group? Can you imagine? I just picture them up before dawn. I picture them, the rumbling in the camp, people just questioning, this is the day. Will he do it? Are we going to look foolish? How, how is this really going to work? I mean, this is it, you guys. And then they start circling. One time around two times around, three times around, just faithfully circling the promise, not seeing anything happen yet, just faithfully circling the promise. Verse 15 says this, on the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and they marched around the town as they had done before. But this time, they went around the town seven times. And the seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the town. In the Bible, seven refers to the number of completion. Can you imagine that moment of faith? 
Can you imagine that moment of faith? That shout would be a declaration that this group of people believed that God is who he says he is and that he can do what he says he can do. His promise, his plan, plus my obedience and my faith equals walls coming down. Listen to me, church. I believe there are some promises of God for your life that you need to start circling quietly, faithfully, trusting the promise of God, trusting the process, circling that promise of God for your life. And then when God gives you the signal, you need to shout and declare that the victory is the Lord's. The Bible tells us not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. The walls are coming down, but it's not by your strength. It's by the miraculous working power of our God. And at the Movement Church, this week, we're circling some promises of God for our church. And we're circling those promises with seven days of prayer. Tonight, we're kicking it off at 5 p.m., with an incredible movement night. We're gonna worship God and believe for breakthrough. 6 a.m. Monday through Friday, Union Market, 8 a.m. on Saturday. And we go, it's so early. We need some walls to come down. Listen, we are going to three services because God has promised us that there are 2.7 million people in Orange County who need to know Jesus and the land is ours. So we're going to the promised land, but it is going to take all of us playing our part. So let me ask you, who are you inviting? Where are you serving? God's promise, God's plan, plus my obedience and my faith equals walls coming down. How many of you in this room would say, I need to stir up my faith today. I've got some promises that I know God's spoken to me and I need to see some walls come down. I'm believing for a miracle. How many of you in this room would just say, I need that? How many of you would say, I, I need to get my expectation up to believe that God is who he says he is, that he is the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in my darkness. How many of you just need your faith just to rise up a little bit? I'm raising my hand because I do. I'd like to pray for us this morning. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord Jesus, I thank you for every person in the room. God, I believe you planned in advance each individual who would be here this morning. God, I thank you that right now, in this moment that you're reminding us of your promises. God, there's some words and some promises that have been spoken over people sitting in this room today that they thought have died. And God, you're saying, no, it just wasn't time yet, but I'm breathing life back into that promise. And God, I pray that right now you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would just speak to each and every individual. God, that you would stir up our faith, our faith to believe in the miraculous. God, that you would remind us of the things that you've called us to individually and as a church. God, I pray that the Movement Church would be known for her faith, for her wild expectation that you are who you say you are and you can do what you say you can do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Now look at me for just a minute, church. For some of you in this room, your next step of faith 
is simply to believe that God is who he says he is. That he sent his son Jesus to pay the price for our sins. The Bible tells us that sin separates us from God. But God didn't want that because he created you and me. He wants relationship with us. He doesn't care where you've been or what you've done. You don't have to get your life all cleaned up first. God just simply says, I love you and I want relationship with you. And so he gave us a promise and the promise was forgiveness. The promise was that he will wash away all the past, all the mistakes, all the shame. The promise was this, because when we die, we'll go to one of two places, either heaven or hell. And God says, these are my people. I want to spend eternity with them. And he gives us the promise of eternity. And then he gives us a plan. And his plan was Jesus. Jesus paid the price for your sin and for mine. It made a way for us to have relationship with God. And all it requires is our obedience, our simple surrender to say, God, I'm going to stop trying to do it on my own. I'm going to put my faith in you. So if you're here and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to pray for you in just a moment. And maybe you're here and you've been running from God, just trying to do things your own way. And I I just believe today's your day to come back. And I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm not going to ask you to pray out loud. I'm not going to ask you to get out of your seat. But I'm just going to ask that right where you're sitting, if that's you, would you make this personal prayer between you and God? Would everyone bow your heads and close your eyes? And as I pray, let this be the prayer of your heart. Say, dear God, I know that I've sinned. I'm tired of trying to live this life on my own. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to pay the price for my sin. And I'm asking God that you would forgive me. And all around this room, if that's you, and this is the prayer that you're praying, let these words be the cry of your heart. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Please email us at info at theocmovement.com. And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Please send us an email at info at theocmovement.com. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.